Hello, everybody. Once again, it is time for the program that has no commercials, no jingles, no music. Well, certainly no agenda. Coming to you from the Curry Manor in the United Kingdom, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm out here in sunny California. I'm John C. Dvorak. John, good afternoon. Let me launch right into it. I finally fixed it so that you can hear audio when I play it back. Yeah, I know. You, <laughs> Do you know how long, you know how long I worked on this? You apparently worked on it all day yesterday, or otherwise mm-hmm. we would have done the show. Yeah, <laughs> not just yesterday. I've been I've been thinking about this for um, it's been like it's been at least three weeks. And what I couldn't figure out was, you know, what I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to you know send you a mix minus signal, and so I could send my voice fine, and I could send um, uh, music over. But if I wanted to send something from my handy little cart rack, um, it was it was driving me nuts. Because, you know, you do this uh, on the Mac. I don't know if you've ever done this. You can do virtual uh, audio routing. Have you ever heard of this? You're doing this on the Mac? Yeah, you can do... Um, no, well, this isn't going to do me any good. <laughs> yes, it will. Because you're going you're gonna to get a laptop eventually, a new one. It'll be a Mac. You know it will. No, it won't. Because I, I... And I'll say this again. As much as I think the Mac's a great machine, I like using laptops that are two pounds... Uh, absolutely the smallest, the lightest you can get with a full-size screen and a big keyboard, and that's a Toshiba, and that's the R-Series. And now the new one, the R500, is like 2.2 pounds total, and it's got a DVD player in it. Yeah, but (laughs) what are you trying to say? When I travel, I don't, with a laptop, I'm not going to go to a Mac. They're too big and heavy. Okay, so honestly, how often do you do uh, Tech 5 on the road versus at home? Uh, actually, I rarely do it. I've done it a couple of times, but I, I prefer to do evergreen shows instead. Right. Okay. So my point exactly. So it makes a lot of sense uh, to set you up for once and for all with a fan. T- I mean, th- this is the beauty. I've been searching for for uh, it's uh, it's been five years now. Has it been five? Yeah, two thousand no two thousand four when I started doing this stuff. I've been looking for the all-in-one solution where you can do everything right on one computer, and the Mac finally is there. You have this thing called aggregate devices where you can um, stack on multiple uh, in- and output devices, uh, virtual or real. You can stack them into one because most programs can only talk to you know talk to one device at a time. So now I can finally do all of that complex routing that is really needed to put together a kick-ass studio. Um, and... Anyway, to make a long story short, what I couldn't, what, what was, what was screwing me up is I was trying to route the audio from Skype into the, into the virtual mixer through one of these virtual interfaces. And whenever I did it, you know, cause, you know, cause you have one coming in and one going back and the output signal, of course, is all the stuff I want you to be able to hear. And every single time I made the connection, it would, you know, it would create a loop and then it would, it would just feed back and I couldn't figure it out until I finally discovered, of course, after weeks of trying to figure this out that I was, um, I was treating Skype as if it had a stereo signal coming out. So I was using two channels, whereas it only has one. So effectively, by placing two connections between Skype and my mixer, I was creating a loop just by making those two connections. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does to me, but let me, let's, let's back up a couple of seconds. <laughs> one, okay. you know, one, you probably could have asked for help from the audience and you would have gotten it like the next day. So the wasting three or four weeks working this out. No, I guess no, 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 no. I have been on this quest and the audience has been involved. The guy who's come the closest oh, oh, that's ever right. you bring to this up on your other show. Hold on one more time. I don't believe for a second that there's not a PC user out there that listens to this show or one of our other shows that can't do the same thing on a PC more effectively. Wow. Throwing down the gauntlet, man. I love it. You know what? Actually, I'll I'll bet you you're right. I'll bet you that I don't know if it can be done more effectively, but I do know that Ableton Live, which is the program I'm using, also runs on Windows. So I guess if someone could figure out how to do virtual audio routing, then they could make it happen. And, And of course, you need it. And then... Uh, excuse me. Then we'll set up a nice, uh, a nice Windows version for you. How does that sound? You've been drinking beer again in the, in the evening. <laughs> uh, I apologize. There was a story going around. We had I, I don't know if we blogged it or not. It was something I was thinking. Actually, my uh, stepson sent it to me. There's there's this farting thing going on in some American schools where the boys are into uh, noisy public flatulence as a gag. 
and they just do it constantly, I guess, in class. And uh, it's becoming something of a problem. Oh, really? Yeah. And this is a, a news story? This is... Yeah, it's a news story. So there was some, you know, they don't, they, these schools, you know, they don't have corporal punishment or anything anymore, so they don't know what to do about stuff like this. And the boys can say, look, it's a normal uh, bodily function. There's nothing I can do about it if I fart. <laughs> and, so, and so they, but the, what they do, of course, is that they amplify them by, you know, I guess, you know, you force it to make, I guess somebody can, you know, even fart the alphabet. But... Um, it's becoming kind of a problem. So, so, but this is a, a nationwide problem, or is this? Yeah, uh, so I think it's localized now, but it could go nationwide. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've been trying to rile up the Brits uh, on the Daily Source Code. You know, trying to open their eyes to the Snoop Dogg Nation that we all live in here. Um, now that they found out that eight hundred different organizations can order a wire or internet tap on anyone, okay. including. Any senior manager at the Department of Agriculture? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is huge news. You didn't know about this? No, tell me. Oh, um, so what happened was the uh, Minister of Parliament, I forget what his name was, he was having a conversation with one of his constituents who happened to be in jail. Um, so I'm, it, it's kind of unimportant what the conversation was about, but other ministers of Parliament had him uh, wiretapped or eavesdropped on that conversation. And so the, uh, at first, what started out as, out as a story about ministers of parliament uh, needing to have the right to be able to speak to their constituents in complete confidentiality turned into all this information like, duh, you know, just look around and look at the four million cameras in this country. It turns out that there's 800 different organizations within the United Kingdom who can ask for what they call an intercept. So that's either phone conversation, phone records, um, Apparently, websites you visit, which I guess can only really work if they have some kind of echelon type derivative working, um, and and the level of, as I just said, you know, the level of um, of seniority of someone who can order this wiretap is you know basically a senior manager, which is just you know it's crazy. I, I bet you this this country is rampant with wiretaps and other intercepts. John, are you still there? Hello? Ah, there he goes. Okay, what what point did you do uh did you miss well, it? Well, that was the, you know you have to probably keep this on the uh, on the show because as soon as you said the word echelon, you got disconnected. <laughs> I swear to God, it was exactly at really? that moment. Said, well, I don't know how they do it unless they have some sort of echelon click. <laughs> Well, I'm still I'm still recording because I I basically finished my story unaware that you had dropped off and then you yeah, called after back. The word echelon. You said, "Well, I don't know how they can do that unless they have some sort of echelon type." And that was it. Right. So, I'll I'll just recap briefly. As it turns out, um there's 800 organizations and this list has now been published which includes, you know, obscure departments like Department of Agriculture who at a or the council, you know, the council, the people who uh, who run, you know, the local the local council. They, you know, a senior manager can request an intercept. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. So anyway, to bring that back back to the flatulence, you know, um, so then I start to dive into it and I'm like, you know, you guys really should protest. And, and by the way, I, I want to protest too because it's pretty messed up. It turns out protesting ain't that easy in the United Kingdom. Did you know that? Well, uh, you can send a nasty letter to the Times, I believe. Yeah, you can do that. But if you actually want to take it to the streets, um, and there's this, I blogged it on Curry.com. There's a, an excellent documentary called Taking Liberties, which is, a, a, I think it's a Channel 4, maybe even a BBC documentary, um, that shows you exactly what happens to people who protest. Basically, you try to protest, it just ain't going to happen. You're just going to get picked up, arrested, harassed, and removed from the streets. Can't you go to Hyde Park and do it? Uh, you can do it. I think you could do... Well, that's not a protest. You can go to Speaker's Corner. But, um, in fact, it is illegal to protest within one uh, kilometer of uh, Parliament. You may not protest at all within one kilometer of Parliament. Huh. Now I know where we're getting these ideas. Yep. Exactly. So, so I'm like, well, then we should do some kind of... Um, some other kind of civil disobedience. So maybe flash mobs. You know, that always works because that always shows up in the newspapers. But maybe we could all just start farting. 
<laughs> oh, now I was wondering how you're going to get there. To you that go. Country, it took me a while. <laughs> it took that me was a while. Long road. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's test this thing out, John. Hold on a second. Let's test. Let's test the uh, the audio out. Okay. Sure. All right. Here we go. Hey, Adam and John. I was just listening to No Agenda 13, and uh, you mentioned that you're trying to find strippers or hookers to audition for Textra. I know this was a joke, but some people probably won't take it as a joke, and it'll probably get forwarded over to Natalie Del Conte that she thinks she's a stripper and or a hooker. And I don't think you really want that kind of image coming from you. I mean, I'm sure there's something that went back. Yeah, all right. By the way, you can, if you want to interrupt something, you can just yell loudly at any point in time. I, I think that guy needs to just, I, who was that? I mean, it I sounds, know. what time did he do this? At three in the morning? <laughs> I don't uh, know. That's whenever he was listening to our show. By the John. way, I never had any intention of hiring hookers for anything. Uh, well, at least for the show. Anyway, the uh, point is, you know, I, that's where I could use the rim shot. Ah, uh, I don't have one. Well, anyway, okay, we'll work, work, work on getting one for, you know, and you can use it ju- uh, judiciously. Uh, but strippers, I thought, would be a good idea for a hostess, um, seems to me. Okay. It was, the, the, you can, I can just report back that the whole idea was nixed by the CEO. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, 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 I think it had a shelf life of about three nanoseconds. No, it was longer than that. It was, it was until he found <laughs> out <much>. about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> have you seen Natalie's new show? Oh, yeah. yeah I, I know you have, actually. I know you saw at yeah, least one episode. I'm surprised, honestly. Well, I'm surprised it's pretty much the same show she was doing before. Yeah, except with shitty lighting and a, and a virtual ugly set in the background. Uh... Yeah, I thought it was going to be a little, little more than that, honestly, and and also, you know, I don't like the way it's edited or put together, but that's just some technical well, stuff. But uh, you said I was just—it actually didn't surprise me too much. I, I think it's okay. So um, anyway, back to the, some of these news stories that aren't relating to tech, since you've got off. You know, we're not supposed to be talking about it necessarily, right? Uh, I, I was just looking at my own blog. One of the guys blogged the fact that they're trying to close down the red light district, and they may be on their way in in, in Amsterdam. What's yeah. that all about? Yeah, it's true. No, it's this is what happens. You know, there's a couple things going on. It's a you know, there's a Christian Democrat, uh, Christian Democratic majority in uh, in the in the in government. Uh, a lot, you know, this is, of course, also bringing, quote, the country up to EU standards. I mean, the same is happening with the coffee shops where you infamously can EU go. EU standards. I mean, I thought that, for example, they were like instituting these kinds of red light districts in uh, countries like Germany to compete for what they call the sex tourist uh, in Europe. Uh, so how is this? I mean, that sounds like a counter trend to me. No, I, th- I think there's a difference between some new regulation. And I can't speak about Europe, but I can speak about the Netherlands where they um, made brothels legal. But the actual red light district where girls are standing in windows, they want to get rid of that. So the, the concept of having a brothel and uh, I think even escort services are outlawed. Or maybe maybe they hmm. Uh, I think those are actually probably still allowed, but the uh, the real in the window with your wares, I think that's what's being taken away, which well, of the, course the, is exactly, yeah, the, sorry? Uh, well, as someone who's visited Amsterdam more than a few times, and by the way, I've not actually uh, done anything with anybody in Amsterdam to be, just for people out there who, who want to know, uh, not like anyone cares, but I just want to say that as a tourist... Uh, I have walked around with a bunch of guys and whatever through that area, and there's a number. There's actually two or three, you know, little alleys and stuff. And there's a, hundreds of these girls, uh, and there's different layers of quality, um, mm-hmm. if you want to be objective about it. And I think it's it's kind of amusing, and I think it's kind of an interesting little thing people do. They walk around. I don't see that many, much business going on. I suppose that not there at the right time, but the fact is, it's it's it adds a kind of a complex charm to the city uh, that seems, uh, and it's been going on apparently since the 15th century. Uh, it seems weird to me that all of a sudden. Uh, during this era when the Muslims are the ones behind wanting to shut stuff like this down, that uh, that the Netherlands, being uh, irked by the murder of uh, Van Gogh, 
um, the filmmaker, would essentially go along with the program, which is what it looks like they're doing. Well, so I'll respond by saying, yeah, you're absolutely right. This uh, completely ruins what used to be a, a really good vibe just in that, uh, in that core center of Amsterdam. But over the past decade, it really has got, it's gone down, even past 15 years probably. Um, it used to be all Dutch girls, which of course was a part of the appeal. And now I do not think you'll find one single um, Dutch-born girl in the red light district. Uh, they're all either from... Um, you know, East Bloc countries, basically. Uh, so, you know, so that kind of cozy, hanging out the window type vibe is, is gone. And of course, it's uh, become a center for, uh, you know, for lots of hard drug uh, trafficking and usage uh, in general, because it's all an old part of the city. It's, you know, it's difficult to police because there's all kinds of alleyways and nooks and crannies. So I understand where they're coming from. And I don't think that if you talk to the Amsterdammer who lives there, there's probably not a lot of love lost because it just wasn't fun to go there anyway, um, you know, since uh, just some, some cultural uh, immigration-like changes had taken place. Well, that's one way of putting it. So um, one time I was in uh, uh, Holland, and I, as I was leaving to go to the air, I, mean, I forget why I was taking a cab. I was taking a cab somewhere which doesn't make a lot of sense now that I think about it. Um, I guess it was to the airport. Not because I would normally take, there's a train to the airport. I don't know why I didn't do that. But anyway, I was taking this cab and I was talking that somehow it came up in the conversation that the, this cabbie, who a lot of cabbies are talkative, said, you know, that red light district is a big phony for the locals anyway. Nobody goes there. Right. He says they go to, and he pointed out some areas in some other part of town. It's like where the locals go and it's not even anywhere near there. And then I watched some special. It sounds as though the town has two or three, at least, separate little districts. And this one that's the tourist trap, which is entertaining, is is the one that nobody uses. Yeah. Uh, there's also been some other problems in that area with uh, the famous Casa Rosso. I'm sure you saw it when you were there. If uh, have, you, have you ever heard of that Casa Rosso? Yeah, I've heard of it, but you know, now that you mentioned, I, I don't recall, I don't know what it is. Well, it's quite famous uh, for two reasons. One, it is the, you know, probably the the original uh, live sex show club. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Right. I or or really theater, I, I should call it, because, you know, you, you walk in, you can have a little drink in the foyer, and then there's, uh, I don't know, maybe a hundred seats, and then you watch some kind of live show on stage. We used to have those kinds of shows in San Francisco. Um, right. So um, this is now, uh, let's see, about uh, about 10 years ago, um, they became very famous to be the first ones to be actually streaming uh, people having sex live for a fee. And all of the all of the porn sites, all the porn servers in the, uh, the mid-90s were all pretty much located uh, in Amsterdam, if not operated by Casa Rosso. Huh. So they were really on the, uh, in fact... This is a story. When um, when we were taking our previous company public, uh, we did what is called a road show. So this was 1996. And the road show means you go around, in our case, to uh, not just to different investors in the United States, but then you also do a European road show. And you basically want everyone to sign up and say, yeah, you know, uh, I'll buy into 20%. That's what it is, 20%, 20%. You want everyone to take 20%. So, of course, then you become oversubscribed. That's kind of the, the way that works. And um, so we had Switzerland, um, the United Kingdom. We had a number of, of places on the map. But we decided to start in Holland because I knew that there were a couple of investors who, you know, collectively they might actually take, you know, 15 or 20 percent. So we did, uh, you know, one of those days. And our, and our investors, of course, were uh, or the, uh, the underwriters were along with us um, on the road for this road show. And we're in Amsterdam. You know, so these are all like real Wall Street banker types and like, hey man, what are we going to do? We got to go to the red light district. We got to go. So, okay. <laughs> so, and then, you know, so we're, so we're walking down the red light district and the guy from Casa Rosso, who of course was just doing this internet, internet stuff, the, basically the guy who's outside who is supposed to pull people in, he uh, starts yelling at me, hey, Adam Curry, hey man, yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, you're no. on the internet, we're on the internet. And I'm like, okay, so yeah, come on in, you know, I'll comp you guys, come on in for free. So, you know, of course, you know, like with our, with our underwriters and, you know, it's a real macho type deal. I'm like, okay. So we go in and the show starts and uh, we're sitting pretty, pretty close up to the front. And of course, it's audience participation time and the girl comes over to me. 
And I'm like, oh man, I, I I'm so not into this. And you know, and of course these guys are hooting and hollering. I'm like, okay, so I get up on stage. Well, wait a minute before you go on. Can you also mention the fact that during this era, especially in '96, you were extremely famous? Yeah. In Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, but people that don't realize it, I mean, we're not talking about a little famous. Yeah. Yeah, very famous. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, continue. But that really didn't matter. I don't think most of the people who were in there knew me, except for the, the guy, the guy at the <laughs> well, front the girl door. Might have. Uh, that's possible. That's very possible. So you know, and so then you know, she does kind of funny stuff. She grabs you in the crotch, and then you know, and then uh, at a certain point, you know, it's, it's it's really meant to humiliate the guy she picks out of the audience, right? So at a certain point, she lays down her on her back, and then and she grabs my head. And then she you know, brings me down to my knees. And, you know, of course, I was just standing in front of her previously. And she brings her head down towards her crotch. And at the same time, a fucking guy in a monkey suit with a strap-on dildo walks out behind me and starts boning me from behind. <laughs> from behind. So there was uh, an, a good evening had by all in the Casa Rosso. Well, I'd like to have that on tape. <laughs> there was no pictures, unfortunately. <laughs> But you Ron, weren't naked or anything. No, 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 no. I had, no, well, I was, I was fully getting clothed. Much done with that uh, thing on you. Well, but it was quite a surprise because you know I'm like, oh yeah, you know, she's bringing my head down between her crotch, and then you know I'm basically kneeling with my butt in the air, and then this guy dressed in a monkey suit comes out from stage left with a big strap-on dildo. So you know, it was totally. Yeah, that, a, that, uh, I would say that the whole act is designed to humiliate the patron. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do they expect to accomplish with this kind of stuff? Hilarity ensued, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, anything for a good laugh. Oh, man, I tell you. So anyway, so I just found that it was quite interesting that they would have such a cultural change. Uh, But I guess if you're you're, you're right, because I noticed that there's most of the... The most of the girls were, you know, they weren't even that interesting, to be honest about it. No, they rarely are. And there's these there's this show called Amsterdam Nights or something that I'm sure it runs somewhere in the States, but basically runs on Sky late at night. And they have these documentaries about that very area and about these these shows. And it's all pretty pathetic when you really, you know, when you look behind the scenes of what's happening, it's pretty sad. So, you know, on Thursday, I went to Las Vegas. I had to give a speech to the uh, convention of, of all things orthodontists. Orthodontists, yeah, I heard you talking about that on Tech 5. So uh, in the process, I was only going to be there for one night and then gave the speech. By the way, I have a new speech for anyone out there who's booking speeches. I'm telling this speech is a stunner. <laughs> Tell us about the speech, John. Tell us about I've only done it twice so far. Now, well, give, me, give me a summary. What do you talk, you, you talk well, about? Bit, essentially what I do is I talk about, you know, it's, 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 it's got various titles, but it's like uh, uh, marketing in the age of the Internet. And it talks about how it, – and it gives people exact details on how to, like – you know, do vanity searches, how to check out your competition, how, you know, how to set up, you know, various kinds of websites, blogs, whatever, where, what the value is. Uh, then it talks about things like, are you, you know, if you're running a business, you're an orthodontist, are you listed on, are, do, has somebody yelped you? And do you know what Yelp is and how does it work? And all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then how to use Craigslist. It's just a lot of like intense information and, and how, how the thing, everything interacts. Do you do you this with, do this uh, with PowerPoint slides or you just stand up oh, and yeah, talk? I, yeah, no, you use PowerPoint. You have to use PowerPoint point slides okay and uh in today's day and age if you don't use powerpoint slides you can't keep an audience anymore it's it's weird really you just use pretty pictures i've been giving speeches for i don't know decades and and i've gone through everything from uh, using uh multimedia to just stand alone where you're up there lecturing and i don't read speeches of course i think that's lame that's bullshit i I always get the biggest kick out of watching somebody go up on a podium and start reading a speech i said why don't you send me the damn thing on email yeah you know, if that's what you're going to do. So do, so do your slides consist of just pictures or do you have words up there as well? It depends. There's some words, some just, sometimes it just shows sites and then I discuss them. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, the whole thing is, uh, but what's weird or what I discovered is that the vast majority of people out there who actually work for a living, um, they don't know about half of this stuff. I mean, they don't know what Twitter is. They don't know what Yelp is. They, very few of them know about Craigslist. Unless they're like in the San Francisco Bay Area or they're in some high-tech zone. Generally speaking, this stuff has still got low penetration. Sounds, which is sounds really, like it's time for, uh, for a new book, John. Yeah, no, we, we may do a book around it. Too. How about uh, uh, high-penetration marketing initiatives? 
H P M I. H P M I, baby. This has an H P M I factor of uh, nine and a half. We could come up with the H P M I factor. I like that. Mm-hmm. H P M I. So factor. anyway, so the, so what I wanted to actually talk about though is not brag about this great new speech, but to uh, so I, I was there on Thursday. So I decided to go to uh, Joel Rubichon's atelier to have the tasting menu. Okay. Where I sat in right. next to it. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's you know it's 130 bucks plus whatever they can nick you for the wine. The whole thing came to about way. It's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sitting, and I, you know, it's like around the the, the room is beautiful, and it, it's in the uh, MGM, and it's just a really nice little restaurant. Little, it's a big restaurant. So, and, but I just thought that you know I was thinking about, it and I noticed I was sitting next to a guy who was a maitre d at a, 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 at the Tribune, which is a restaurant in Calgary, and you know, and. I noticed that he was actually drinking the bottled water, but you know, a lot of people were, you know, you know, this water thing is like a big deal. Nobody wants to, you know, the idea now is to don't drink bottled water in we a ha- restaurant. We actually have a, complete- we actually have a, an audio comment about that. Remind me, I'll play it for you. Have it queued up when you're ready. Okay. Um, but what was interesting to me, I've come, to, I've kind of got to the conclusion because I didn't really feel satisfied with this meal. It was, you know, all the little bitty plates, which I normally would go for. I mean, you can get a real better deal if you if people are interested in this kind of eating. You go to San Sebastian, Spain, and you can, you know, it's astonishing. I mean, it had one fourth the price and twice the quality. Yeah. But anyway, the I just thought the whole thing was an unrewarding experience. And I and I had yelped it before I went there and looked at the various uh, comments and there was all everyone, oh the best meal I've ever had in my life. And then some people with a lot of experience were really downplaying and saying, you know, this was very disappointing. And uh, of course I would I did end up falling into that category. I don't think it was that I don't think it was worth it. And what be, do you, and, you know, uh, what do you attribute this disappointment to? Well, the fact that the guy who, you know, the sh- Joel Rubichon's not there, he comes in once every couple months. I mean, this is like, I'm reminded, most of these Vegas restaurants are that way. I mean, Bradley Ogden opened a place there and he claimed he's going to move to Vegas and he's going to stay there. I've called that restaurant every time I go to Vegas because I know Bradley and he's never there. Hmm. And none of these guys are, I mean, who? who uh, uh, Uber Keller from San Francisco's Florida Lee seems to be in Vegas. A, uh, well, he seems to one. be in Vegas more than he's in San Francisco. He seems to be in Vegas a lot, but he yeah. wasn't there either, and he wasn't there the last couple of times I went there. So these restaurants are very reminiscent of the kind of French restaurants you find in the Middle East. In many of the big cities, like in, if you go to Dubai, for example, they have all these French restaurants that are exact copies of the places in Paris. And I guess they fly these chefs in once in a while to make sure that everyone's doing everything right. But for the most part, they're not there. And, it, and with these, this quality, when you're dealing with super high-end quality, the chef has to be there or the quality just deteriorates because there's no taskmaster. Isn't this so also I, what, what happened to... Um uh, what's his name? Uh, Gordon with his New York restaurants. Gordon Ramsay. Didn't, yeah. Didn't didn't those close down basically because he wasn't there enough? Uh, I would think that would be the reason. Yeah. But so I asked. So anyway, they have a French guy running the thing, and I asked the guy who uh, seemed like a nice enough guy. But I asked him. I said, "When does Rubichon come in?" And he, apparently, he's coming in next week, which would have been the time to go. And he says he comes in once every couple of months for like you know a week, and. Um, which seems like actually more than most of these guys will do. And I said, I asked the guy, I said, well, is he, is he like an a-hole to work for? Is he like a real, is he a prick? Is what I said. I asked the guy. And the guy, the French guy looks at me with a kind of a, like a bug eye. And, and one of the assistants over, you know, the sous chef or whatever on the set said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a real totally. cocksucker. <laughs> the guy says he's totally a guy, you know, and the, and the, and the French guy the guy running the thing says, I didn't say that. And then he walks <laughs> off. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's what you have to have in these restaurants. You have to have a taskmaster who's who's probably not necessarily adored for his meanness. But um, so I, I, that's what I kind of attribute it to. Just a, well, of course, that, of course, I, that's I a, that is a problem. You know, if, if you run your place you know, like an asshole, which a lot of these guys apparently in the workplace seem to need to be just an observation. Um, you know, if when you're gone, then everything's going to slip. 
Yeah, I've noticed this. You know, I, I one time if you ever get to a uh, place, one of the Wolfgang Puck's places. Yeah, I've been to. A, I've, been, get, I've been to his place in uh, in L.A. If you get to like he had a place post trio, he still does, I guess, in San Francisco. I went there once when he was there, and it's like night and day. Yeah, uh, it's makes just sense. amazing, and uh, that's the problem with these all these guys that are th- at that level. Now, some people I think probably can set up a uh, uh, a system where they don't have to be working so much, but I think for the most part uh, they can't do it. The Fleur de guy, that, his not, his his wife can stay in one place though. I think that makes a difference too. Well, a little bit, but you know, I think at the very high end, the super high end, Alan Ducasse seems to get away with it. He's the only one I've run into where you can go to his restaurants. Not that you know anybody. I'm recommending you go spend this. This is now this guy is expensive, <laughs> but uh, you can go to his restaurants without him being there and be assured that you're going to get a killer meal. Yeah. Because he has a, I guess he, I think it's, he must be able to hire people to write. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not in that business. I don't know how it works. Let's listen to that uh, bottled water comment. I don't really remember what it was. Let's see if it's any good. Hey Adam, this is Doug in Illinois calling with a little sh- call out uh, about your show last week. Uh, where you had mentioned some sort of quote about if Coca-Cola came free out of your tap, would you still go to the store and buy it? And that, you know, the point was that, no, you wouldn't. Well, you got to think about water that does come out of our taps and how big is the bottled water industry. You know, we consumers are idiots, you know, uh, especially where I live. You know, we've got, you know, this great Lake Michigan water, and I still, you know, go out and buy bottled waters. Now, I- What is that? Why do we do that? Who started that? Uh, I think it, well, it started with the chichi use of uh, the sparkling bottled water from Perrier years ago in the 70s that became a big deal. And it was really, I mean, there was only the one or two you could get. And then somewhere along the line, I think what happened, there was this one moment. It was maybe in the late 80s or something where some uh, of these health nuts came out with it. You have to drink so much water all day. You should be drinking eight glasses of water a day. And it was like a big deal to drink just drink water all and, day. and it was about the carrying of water too it was, it was, you had to carry it around well that became kind of a it became a yuppie thing and i think it became a, a you know kind of an image like a cigarette you know people would have you know once they stopped smoking they didn't have anything to do with their hands so they moved to gravitate <laughs> just, to just water. carry around the dildo man that's the easiest thing <clears throat> so anyway, they carried around water, and uh, it became like the thing. And you see people, you know, they pull out the water bottle, and they unscrew it, and they take a swig, and then they screw it. And they put, I mean, this is right. like, you know, just something to do. It's like a canteen, and, isn't it? It's, you know, we used to have canteens exactly as like kids. Canteen. Remember, you had, that, you had that green canteen on your belt? We should, we should reintroduce that, just uh, fucking military canteens. Actually, that's a great idea. Yeah. Instead of these bottles, <laughs> have a canteen. Have a canteen. An old military yeah. canteen with camouflage on it. Yeah, with one of those chains. So you don't lose the top, right? You know, the, right, exactly. the chain rattles around. That's a pretty good idea because I, I've I've stopped um, ordering bottled water in. I I don't buy it in general anyway. But in restaurants, you know, I'll ask specifically for tap water because, um, as far as I'm concerned, it's uh, it's it's certainly regulated. It's probably better for you. It's probably safer to drink, and it's free. Yeah, right. No. That's even Why better. You're paying eight, eight to sixteen dollars on top of your regular dinner bill because they charge like six bucks to eight dollars for a bottle, for a bottle of, of water, of, man. And and I hate yeah. it when they bring it to your table and the top is already off, and you just know that they filled it up in the back with regular top well, tap that's water. Why, by the way, that's why I always tell people only get sparkling bottled water because that's right. the only that's the only one you can tell it's real. Half assured that they did some work. Yeah, let's see if this guy's anything else. Hold you on. refill those and try to stretch the dollar a little bit, but. Man, what a consumerist idiot I am, and, and most of us are that go out and buy bottled water. So I'm not sure if uh, the Coca-Cola coming out of the tap analogy is quite appropriate to the music industry. Uh, oh, okay. Sometimes people, a while ago. you know, the the market drives. All right. That was from a while yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, buddy. yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's an interesting piece of news that's going under the radar here that I want to bring up for the show. Uh, after I got my my mention of the uh, Latelier, which now gives me a tax write off, by the way. Latelier, um, what is uh, Kes, 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 that's Kes, the Kes, Kes, place that I was disappointed? Oh, okay, in. gotcha. Uh, 
so MS, there was a reporter that was just casually talking on MSNBC, one of their uh, anchors or one of their part-timers, who used the term, where he said, don't you think that they're pimping out Chelsea? Oh, they had yeah. Going to some things. Yeah. This has become this huge scandal. They put the guy on probation. <laughs> for saying MSNBC. that? Yeah. For saying that they, for using the term, and apparently what, it, what, what, uh, with the cascade effect began when Hillary heard that he used the term pimped out, and she decided that she's going to pull out of the MSNBC version of these never ending debates they're having over here every two weeks or every week there's a debate. Oh, and MSNBC, she was going to say, I'm not going to do the MSNBC debates. And so, like a good journalistic organization that they are, they, they, Put the guy on notice, essentially firing him, and said, whatever you want, Hillary, we'll do whatever you want. This is like a bad signal, it seems to me, that these spineless jerks that are at MSNBC would do this because one of their guys casually used the term pimped out when it was very appropriate. It made actual sense in in any sort of grammatical or or, uh, linguistic way, and they would fire the guy over this because Hillary didn't like it. It's unbelievable. Does Hillary understand the uh, the modern cultural reference that 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 actually refers to? Does she understand that, or is she, she thinking is she still in the days of Huggy Bear with a big fedora hat being her, being Chelsea's pimp? I would think that she would, the latter would probably be the situation. I mean, where she doesn't understand what the phrase means or uh, anything in between, but I mean that would be my guess. But even if she did, whether she did or didn't, it's you know. I mean, if that's the case, then MSNBC should have explained it to her. I mean, yeah. just the thing, I don't really even care if she wants to throw her weight around, because if you can throw your weight around as a politician and tell the news media what, what to, to do, do and what to, how, do to, how to speak. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, knock true. yourself out. Show, you know, but if these guys are the spineless worms that that they apparently are, that they can't, you know, stand up to the to the, uh, you know, powers, uh, you know, they always say, what's the truth to power? There's a big one of these Democrat um, liberal uh, uh, phrases that it's going around. If they can't even do that as a as a as a functioning media company, I mean it's it, it's hopeless. I was just I just just galled by this. But what really got me is that nobody in the media has, has said jumped anything. up and down in in uh, disgust over this. They just oh yeah well here's what happened. This is reported as a news item and blah blah blah. And they're on the onto the next story because it was handled like straight news. And I'm thinking how can you like let this slide? You know. Well, we've talked about, you know, the state of journalism before. In fact, uh, I'm looking this up now. There was, uh, you know, you know Camden Market? I'm sure you've heard of Camden Market, John. Yeah, burnt to the ground. Burnt to the ground last night. Uh, And I was reading the story on the BBC website. Hold on, I'm just going to find it for a second. Because I just could not believe that they had done this. Uh, Hold on. Camden. I got to love the BBC, though. They do have a lot of cool, cool stuff. Uh, scrap, where is it? Okay. Sure, tax dollars at work. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Major fire at Camden. Okay. Here we go. I hope. Oh crap! I didn't want that. Okay. I can't find it. But anyway, they were able to turn the story in Camden into an entertainment piece. Unbelievable. But because <laughs> the pub, and that's why I was looking for the uh, for the article. I'll find it. The, um, there's a pub that uh, that also burned to the ground, which was frequented by many celebrities, including the now in rehab Amy Winehouse. <laughs> I was blown away that they could actually they had turn to throw an Amy Winehouse plug. They could actually. I mean, that was just unbelievable. It's that disgusting. is unbelievable. That is pathetic. It is, but you know, and this is what it's become. I mean, all. It, just looking at the news, the BBC news, you know, so Ma- Madeleine McCann the, the is still whole area, one of the most important l- little areas in London burns to the ground. And somehow they, they work in Amy Winehouse, which has got nothing to do with the story. Exactly. Except she went there once. I mean, you could probably say almost everybody went to throw anybody's name in. Why Amy Winehouse? And because, you know, they've reported on her getting smashed in that bar. I mean, it's it just it's nuts. It's completely nuts. It's, it's like we can't live without the distraction of entertainment news. In everything. It's, yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's That's terrible. I mean, I find it to be disgusting. And the thing is, you can rant about it all you want, but the public, you know, eats this stuff up. 
Uh, I mean, everybody, you know, you can say anything you want to, but you can add that little that little entertainment angle, and the next thing you know, you know, the numbers go up. Um, there's no sense of responsibility by the media, which is, I think, there should be, where they, yeah, okay, we can do that, but we're not going to just do that. Um, it's, but you know what? It, 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 obviously, it has to be because that's what we, as the public, want. I mean, there's no doubt about it. it, it it's uh, it's supply and demand. We we desperately want more stuff that includes news of preferably fucked up celebrities. Yeah, yes, yeah, so to make you feel better about yourself, I guess. Is that it? You is that, is that it. so? We're that unhappy that we have to. Oh, that poor girl. She's She's got so much talent, and look at her. She's all screwed up, and she's got tattoos all over her. She's just a wreck. But how, but and, how, but how uh, come that's, that is so interesting to us? That and, makes me feel so much better. And, and three million displaced uh, Iraqis, you know, we don't give a shit about. Why is that? Because they're not Amy Winehouse. They can't sing. That's true. <laughs> they can't sing if you can they sing can't i'll care sing. about you bitch <laughs> that's funny ah oh, look at the talented little iraqi kid oh now i care about him he could dance he could tap dance and sing that would help uh, it's uh, no so i noticed this but i saw the interesting thing they're, they're doing on cbs and they they're doing it locally too you know this green thing is is really it's coming on so strong. It's, it's, I think it's going to burn itself out because mm. it's a little too much. Now they, I was uh, our local news. They have a thing called the Green Beat, and when they go and it's like so there's always some lame story about somebody saving energy, you know, or recycling or making a, a compost. Pile. All right, and, and 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 it's just before the weather is when they always have the Green Beat. It's filler, John. It's when we have yeah, no it's news. Filler, but what's weird is now when they go to the Green Beat, the logo for the station changes just for the green beat to green. <laughs> Woohoo! It's unbelievable. It's not going to burn out, dude. This is a this is already a 10 billion dollar industry. Green is here for to, for a long time. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> here comes the hate mail. Uh, so what? So anyway, so, so uh, what was their report? Their green report. So last week, we, we didn't talk about this until after the show, which was, uh, and I think it's still worth bringing up because I made a note. Although, you know, there's a spontaneity is kind of shot when I make notes, but I'm still going to do this, which is you have an Amex Black. Oh, right, right, right. We did talk about this. I remember. Yeah. I don't have one, but um, yes, yeah, It costs so $5,000 a year just to have this card. Right. This is the black card from American Express. Um which at one point in the, I'd have to say late 80s, you know, it was quite the status symbol to have. And I, I guess it still is, although I can't imagine why. I don't know. I've only seen it two of them ever. Uh, the guy who runs the register, John Lettuce, has one. Yeah. And he's also the, one of the owners. And, uh, and a friend of mine, Bill Losey, has one. Now, th now this is how I found the website. What was it? Black-Amex.com or Amex-Black? Yeah, you found some website that people should check out because it's quite funny. Let me see. Amex. I think it was Amex-Black.com. Let me just check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have a... <laughs> this is great. They have a picture of uh, all kinds of hip-hop artists. <laughs> like a very exclusive club you definitely want to be associated with. There's all kinds of pictures on this weblog. Of people holding up their black card inside their Bentley, showing their statements. <laughs> Look, I had $45,000 I had to pay on my black card. And then what was the one you found of, was it Lindsay Lohan? It's she, not at the bottom. There was a, there was a I think maybe yeah, I got it scrolled it off. No, 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 it's still but here. It's, it's still here. It's still there? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of Lindsay Lohan's it's a driver's, uh, driver's license. license. Yeah, and, and of her uh, American Express black card. With a little right, uh, and her American Express black, but what was I, I was fascinated with that she is like so photogenic that she looks great <laughs> she on does. her driver's license photo. She does. She looks awesome, and she looks a lot better than she does now. I think well, this is from two thousand six. This uh, this picture. No, wait a minute. Yeah, two thousand six. Yes, it is. Hmm. 
So anyway, so my, the only reason for bringing this up is I wanted to make a public complaint, not about oh. the black card. I don't care. Okay. And I think, you know, somebody wants to spend, you know, have one that's okay. But the, uh, I was told by one of these guys that it's great if you travel internationally a lot, they're handy. But the, uh, is the fact that Amex came up with a blue card, which has a smart chip in it, which I thought would be a smart card that would be like the ones they have in Europe. And if anybody travels in in France, for example, and there's always these complaints about how the service is so bad and the waiters are rude and all the rest of it. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is you go there and nowadays when you want your check, they come out with a Schlumberger handheld device. They grab your smart card, stick it on there. It sucks the money right out of the card. You sign right on the spot. You never have to. You're out of there. <laughs> it's actually much faster than what we do. Yeah. And so I figure, well, this is cool because Amex has got. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, John. Now there's there's two different systems. There's the the chip, um, the chip card, which actually stores the money on the chip itself. Right. And then there's just the uh, the regular uh, chip that has identifying information. Right. Um, it's instead of the stripe. But it's not actually loaded onto the card. It just it just checks your balance. Right, but the point is, is that when they stick this thing in this little slumberjay machine, which is wireless too, it it does the it does the authorization yeah, and everything right exactly, there. Exactly, exactly. Or or it sucks it out of that other type of card, which that, is the you that's, know the debit. That's, that's type pretty of stuff. common over here. All restaurants have the wireless uh, swipers. Well, anyway, the point I was making was that. So I figure Amex is getting on the bandwagon because the smart card, the card with the chip on it, has been slow to evolve in the United States because of our infrastructure and for what other reasons. And one of the – somebody pointed out to me once is that one of the main reasons is that the, the patents on those cards is held by some French guy. And until no, the course. patents run out, the Americans aren't going to use these cards. Of course. Because we don't want to pay the two cents for this guy's patent. <laughs> anyway, but the, the irony to the Amex card is I figure they're doing something smart here. It's not – compatible with all the systems in europe that's amazing so what's the point i don't understand what incompatibilities there can be though because um all my european cards work uh, in the u.s so it just in in all different machines and atms i'm just told that you can't you know the way you can use those cards over there where the gut waiter comes out and just give it to him and he boom right yeah but it doesn't work doesn't work with this blue card are you sure that um, it, you didn't just get declined? I didn't have one. I'm just telling you what somebody was giving me the lecture about when I was bragging about this card to some smart card expert. He says, you know, this, it's an incompatible system. It, you, they have to go through the old way, the old mechanism, which they have to swipe it and send it to some computer. I mean, it's not like you can just give them the card and walk away like you can with the European cards. Hmm. Okay, so we don't have... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone can correct me, but that's what I'm told. I was just going to say... That's never taken off. We Nobody uses the Amex Blue. We don't have, uh, we don't have first, first-hand experience. That's because the card, I think, is a dud. Now, let me ask you this, John. Which of the stories and uh, topics we've discussed today will you be highlighting on Twit? <laughs> Fucker. Uh, probably. Oh, I haven't been on Twit for a while. I, t- I tell you, the, the, we started off something, man. It's like now every single show that used to talk about tech, now they're just talking about stories. They're just talking stuff. Not even about the news, just about per- Which is great, by the way. I mean, I love listening to it. Um, but, it <laughs> but it's not about I think you know, you, well, let me tw- just, like, this week People are wondering what you're talking about here with the Twit thing. I once, on some Twit, I think Not about once, every single ago, episode. Every single I episode, said, you're bringing up great stories about food and travel. And I'm jealous. I'm like the fucking bitch over here. You know, and, and John's on all these shows and on Twit. This doesn't have go- anything to do with that gorilla, does it? <laughs> just talking about that story got me all worked up. So... <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, you're like you're, you're, you're all your best material is is going to tech shows. <laughs> My best material. Stop it! Stop it Talk already! Talk about tech on the tech show. Yeah, you don't. That's the problem, though. But you, you have I, to. You, once three months ago, you're right. I brought something up about cars or something. And no, you, you no. It was the fig trees, and it was all kinds of interesting stuff. What about the fig trees? I don't know. I think it was you were talking about fig trees and how there's one root and that they. Branch out for acres. I don't know what it was. Oh, no, that's the cashew. Oh, the cashew. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, the cashew tree in, in Brazil is one. <laughs> no, no, don't go repeating it. Go talk to your tech friends about that. <laughs> it's not a gonna cool t- story. No, <laughs> no, screw it. I don't want to hear it anymore. No, 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 no. Yeah, this is mature. Hold on. <laughs> hey, Adam, this message is in response or in regards to, rather, uh, no agenda. Uh, just wanted to let you guys know that your show is what I imagined podcasting would be when I first started listening to podcasts, oh, two or three years ago, uh, started out with the DSC, to be quite honest. Um, you guys are really interesting, and I'm really digging the fact that there really is no agenda, and that it's whatever is on your guys' minds, uh, is what you guys talk about, and it, it's kind of weird, but I'm, uh, I seem to be, uh, in agreement and kind of... I feel funny between my legs when I listen. I'm on the same wavelength as you guys when you guys are talking about it. So just want to say I really appreciate the new format that you guys are. Yeah, Yeah, brother. I mean, just say, you know, we like to show goodbye. No, Um, man. This is is what podcasting is all about, John. It's the unedited voice of the people. The uh, well, you know, he makes an interesting point about what he expects from podcasts. And I'm kind of in agreement. One of the things that should make podcasting a little different is the fact that it's not, you know, based on the models that have evolved in radio, which are, you know, slicker and uh, more produced. Well, also time-driven, driven by an absolute start totally and time finish. time-driven with a clock. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in fact, you have, people don't realize this, and they say, well, I know, I'm listening, I hate the radio, because I'm listening, and there's a commercial, I try to switch this, there's a commercial, and there's a commercial, and every station's got a commercial at the uh, same do time. You, do you know that when I worked at um, Z100 in New York, I did, uh, I did the morning show uh, for a couple months, but I also did uh, weekend swing shifts. They had uh, a number of lights in the studio, because you have that quarter hour, actually, you're supposed to be back into, back to the music, um, at 47 minutes past the hour which always is, of course, a big power rotation song because when someone hits it, like, oh, yeah, it's my favorite song. I'm going to listen to it. But we had lights in the studio, and uh, you could see exactly when each individual competing station was in commercials, and it would stay on while they were in commercials. And what you wanted to do was finish, finish everything up before your own commercial break to be back into music before the lights went off from the other stations. That's how competitive radio is, or was at least in the 90s. Yeah, I don't think that's done as much anymore. I think they don't care. But uh, yeah, there is some general that. apathy there in Radioland, isn't there? Don't you think? Yeah, because uh, it's all owned by Clear Channel. Yeah. Is your phone okay. ringing? Hold on, I got somebody ringing the phone. Hang on. All right, I want to play something then while you're doing that. Let me see. Hello, Adam. Or I should say hello, Adam and John, because I intend this message for no agenda. It's uh, Savant Steve in San Francisco. Don't ask, John. And uh, I had a comment about the Sarbanes-Oxley stuff. Now, professionally, I end up dealing with a lot of Sox crap. So, are you listening to this? Or are you? Yeah, no, I, I'm hearing it. Oh, you're back. Oh, uh, you want me to finish it now? Well, I wanted to hear what he said about Sarbanes-Oxley. Something about it. John's point was, well, why did we need a new law? Uh, the guys got busted anyway, right? Um, the, a proponent of Sox would say, yeah, but before you, an executive could go, well, I just didn't know what was going on, uh, didn't realize what was happening, sorry, and millions of people are out of their pensions. And it's, you know, stock- I don't know if he has a point, John. Apparently not. Um, yes, you have to right. get to the point with you know within like fifteen seconds. This is forty four yeah, seconds. Have to get a clue about how to do these clips. They got to come in. They got to say hit it hard and then get out of there. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and uh, in and out that way I can in react to because I, I I hate Sarbanes Oxley. I think it's ruining uh, the <laughs> we tech know you business. Do. It's ruining every every single business. It's horrible. Well, it's really bad for the tech business. And the, the thing other people, the, the other thing that people have to realize is that during this little period where we don't have a lot of public offerings because they're just too hard to do because of Sarbanes-Oxley, you just can't get your numbers right and it's too much work and nobody wants to be a director of a public corporation because of it, is that these, these um, giant uh, consortiums of money, moneyed uh, investment firms are privatizing companies left and right. 
and they're doing it to an extreme. That's why all these buyouts, you know, to privatize this and privatize that. And uh, and they're getting a huge portfolio of companies. So what do you think they're going to do with these companies? The first thing they're going to do is they can clean up their numbers because they don't lose money on the Sarbanes-Oxley thing since these are not public corporations. Yeah, so they, stri- they strip everything out. They, they cut everything away, cut it into bits if it's worth more in individ- individual pieces. Right, and they keep and they so they fine tune these things. They ruin many of them, and in the and then when when things loosen up, which is going to happen eventually, with, with the repeal or the modification of Sarbanes Oxley, the first thing that's going to happen is these privatized companies are going to be thrown into the market as as individual IPOs. They're going to swamp the market with with because there's going to be so many of them that the little tech companies that actually need the money. Are going to aren't going to be able to even get the money then? So I mean, right? It's just getting worse by the day as long as this continues to drag on. Well, I think there's a lot more wrong with with Wall Street and the and the whole system. I mean, it it goes beyond that. I mean, we have, with this this so called subprime crisis, which of course is really a, a much bigger crisis, as now the banks don't trust each other, and now the the, the bond rating companies it, it's messed up. And I think it's it's much much. There's a lot more news to come well, um, before we can even you know look at some kind of healthy uh, IPO market. I think. Well, probably, but as far as I'm concerned, it's all because of Sarbanes Oxley. Okay. Anyway, I'm not going to fight. I you. just it's just a bad idea. I mean, and the thing is, why would the Republican administration be the one that institutes it? What are they trying to prove? Well, can your boy John McCain change it since he'll be the next yeah, I president? Know, I don't know what McCain's <laughs> position is on that. I don't know what his position is on most things. And uh, by the way, here's the last story I want to bring up now that you mentioned politics. There's a huge thing going on here that's just hilarious. Uh, in California, they, uh, or actually in the Democrat Party this year, they have uh, a thing called superdelegates. And there's 40% of the votes that going to the convention are these superdelegates. And it seems as though they've already picked Hillary, no matter how the public votes. The superdelegates have. Yeah, the superdelegates are all on Hillary's side. So Hillary's going to get this nomination by hook or crook. Could you just explain a superdelegate? Do they have more power? Do they have more than yeah, one? Yeah, no, they can. They, the superdelegate, unlike the regular delegates, uh, when they, uh, if they're assigned an area, whatever the public decides, doesn't, they can do whatever they want. In other words, they can say, okay, well, you voted for Hillary, and, but I'm going to go with Obama. Okay. Now, the, the, locally, this has actually happened already in Marin County, the hippy-dippy county over here in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, which voted heavily for Obama. And there's a congresswoman from the district who's been given superdelegate status to represent Marin. And she says, I don't care what you voted. I'm voting for Hillary. Right. And so now everybody's up in arms about this. Hmm. <laughs> it's actually quite funny to watch. Interesting. So, yeah, what's, so the, I, what's the whole so point the then? Of, of, the of, yeah, exactly. In. What's the point of all of these uh, of all these primaries? If if for, what did you say, forty percent are superdelegates? That's what I hear. Yeah. And how do you get the superdelegate status? Do, you know, does I think in, it was pre pre or you know the the Democratic National Committee when they put together the program for picking their candidate pre convention? Yeah. I think they dreamed this thing up. I think maybe they've existed before, but I think this time they've been designed specifically really for to benefit one candidate. And and what's going to happen if this is all you know the way I'm s- perceiving it is that Obama could actually be a viable but get screwed by the system by, yeah uh, by the by the rig by the rig system absolutely by the rig system and what that'll do is that'll irk the black community to such an extreme because they're just going to see the you know this is another yeah holding the man down you got it and so they're going to not vote so unless oh no that would be Hillary horrible. says, well, you know, to, to keep the blacks, because they, they did come out in great numbers to vote for Obama, he'll they're going to have to be vice make president. Obama the vice president. And that's, right? and that's the, as you call it, unelectable ticket. It's an unelectable ticket. Why again? Why is it unelectable? Yeah. I think there's too many negative votes, uh, people that would just vote against Hillary because they don't like her. And I think a lot of them are women. And I think there's just a lot of people who won't vote for a black guy. 
I think it's just a, the inherent racism in the in in any system mm-hmm. because he's the first one. I mean, I don't think that he can't win. In fact, I think as a long shot as a president, I think he could actually get the job, and I think he might be the president in 2012. But out of the shoot. We don't know anything about this guy. He just showed up. I mean, I didn't hear about him four years ago. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's basically a newbie. Uh, <laughs> a noob. <laughs> he's a newbie. And, and, and Hillary's kind of a sleazeball. And yes, this combination is not electable. Let me ask you, though. Did you think uh, Chelsea had gotten hotter after they pimped her out? <laughs> I thought she looked a little hotter. I don't know. She's, you know, she's seems like a nice enough person, but, you know, I don't see the stink over. I'm sure she would have thought it was funny. So did you the, ask her what she thought about being pimped out? Yeah, really. That's who we need to hear from. It's from, from Chelsea. She should, you know, that would be good for her to stand up and say, you know, fuck you, MSNBC. Uh, the Republican Party, do they also have superdelegates? No, the Republicans did something different, though. I don't think so. I don't know. But, but, you know, the, the Republicans have gone with the, uh, you know, letting people vote for them. But they pulled a couple of interesting stunts. And one of them cracks me up in California again. So I'm a registered independent. And uh, and I've been a Democrat and I've been a Republican. Now I'm an independent. So I'm, you know, looking at things from all sorts yeah, of different angles. you can angles. do whatever you want. So I, yeah, that's what I thought. So when I went to go to vote, which I did at almost the last minute because I figured, well, you know, I should at least throw some votes out because actually the, there was a local measure I wanted to vote for. Yeah. So I went in there and they said, you are listed as an independent. I said, yes. I said, then you can use the Democrat or the independent ballot. Which one do you want? What? And I'm thinking, what about the Republican? I wanted to use that ballot. And they said, no, no, the Republican Party this year, they, oh, I, no, I did. I did know about this. Yeah, I know because there was this big drive, uh, for Ron Paul supporters to, you know, the, they had to know that they absolutely had to register as a Republican if they wanted to make sure that their vote, vote would be permitted and or uh, counted. Right. So the Republicans have ba- essentially cut off these, you know, these freelance independents from sticking their nose into their business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was kind of surprised by it. So I took the, so I took the Democrat ballot and voted for Obama. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So do you mind me asking who you were going to vote for if you had been allowed to vote for clearly a Republican candidate? Well, I was either going to vote for a Ron Paul or I was fe- I was really feeling a strong sense of throwing a wrench into the works and voting for Huckabee. <laughs> no. Yeah, Ron Paul. Because all Huckab- but- Huckabee is the funniest guy. If is, there was, I always say this. If funny. there was an open mic competition with all these candidates, Huckabee would kick, kick everybody's butt. Yeah, yeah true. He's hilarious. Ron Paul kind of sent a, a concession notice out. Kind, I'd say kind of because, you know, he's not pulling out of the race and he'll continue all the way through. But obviously they're scaling back their campaign. And he also has a, um, a gubernatorial uh, race, I guess. You know, no, not not uh, gubernatorial, uh, congressional. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like, well, we're going to pull back a little bit. Uh, into, but they are, but he is going to go all the way to the uh, to the uh, convention. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. he has uh, 40 or 50 delegates. Yeah, well, that's something. <laughs> it's about the message, John. It's not about the man. Yeah, well, the message is not going anywhere, apparently. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, no, it, it's not true. There's there's people who voted for him, so there's people who heard. There's people who are, who are clued in, and we'll stay awake, you know, no matter who becomes president. We'll, uh, we'll pay attention. We'll make noise. You know, it's, it really is more about an idea. Well, I'll tell you the one thing that's going on here, since you're in London, you're not privy to it necessarily unless you listen to some of these guys on the Internet. But the right wing talk show guys are just there's some deal that wasn't done or somebody didn't get bought off or there's something screwy about the fact that they hate McCain. Really? Well, this, yeah, this of course, is where all the uh, all the sentiment comes from that the that the Republicans, you know, that uh, that they don't agree with McCain. But it's not really the party. It's the right wing talk guys. Right, it's the right, the right wing, the super, con- the conservatives. They call them. You know, they 
they speak for the conservatives. Right. Rush say, Limbaugh, who else? Uh, I'm not sure if that's true, but whatever the case is, Rush Limbaugh is the one leading the way, leading the charge. And but all the other guys pretty much fall in line, and uh, it's pretty interesting to listen to it because I can't figure out. And I, it, it, you know, you'd think that well, maybe it's because of this immigration bill that McCain tried to push to get amnesty. The rest of it. That's what George Bush was for. That they voted for him, mm-hmm. uh, but you know that doesn't count. They think he's a liberal in sheep's clothing, or he talks to Democrats too much, or he's you know he's too friendly to uh, you know Democrats. I guess he's a Democrat underneath it all. They claim, but he's not. I don't see it, and uh, I don't know. I think the whole thing's somewhat baffling. Well, you're. You immediately assume someone hadn't been paid off. That's kind of interesting as a statement. Well, I mean, there's some. Well, it doesn't have to. I'm not talking about money. I'm being like, you know, somebody having a meeting, or somebody got stiffed, or you know, somebody said, "Can I have an appointment with you so we can chat about what your policies are?" Now, come on go, my show, know, man. Come on my show and talk. Talk on my show. Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, you know, it doesn't take much to get somebody in broadcasting who's yeah, really been pissed uh, off. who's huge with <laughs> millions of listeners to get kind of you know full of themselves. Yeah, kind of like me. Yeah, you're yeah. a perfect example. Yeah, I'm a great example of that. The Adam but Curry ego broadcasting gets that way. <laughs> All right, John, I think we've we've had it for this week. Yeah, you got you got anything else? No, I went through the whole list and uh, except. Oh, uh, this was an actual list from notes you took. I, from last week, yeah, but I, I put them underneath the, the printer here so I wouldn't lose them because that's typical, typically what happens. And so I have a list. There's a couple of things on here like uh, green public relations. I don't understand what that means. And I, you know, that's just typical. I don't know what I'm yeah. doing here. Dvorak notes. Interesting benefits for the Amex Black. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. All right. And that literally wraps up another episode of no agenda coming to you from the united kingdom in the curry manor i'm adam curry and i'm john c Dvorak in northern california another pod show podcast